Hello and welcome back to another Let's Backflip Happy Hour. I'm Ryan Fring, co-creative director here at Backflip and Lord of the Podcast, bringing you another episode of the podcast. And this week is really fun. We've got Angela Heinlein from St. Ambrose Academy, director of the musical and director of enrollment. And we're talking about what it takes to put together a musical and turning it virtual. We did that a few years ago with them. So this is really fun to, to hear about how that went. And afterwards, we actually have the footage and, and my kids love rewatching it. It's so great. It feels like Broadway. They do such a good job. And then the production value I think we brought was just stellar. So it was very enjoyable to watch for many reasons. We'll also have Jeff on to talk about the period films he created for the musical and all that fun stuff. So that's what we got on the show today. If you don't already, please do like, subscribe, follow, hit the thing, give some reviews, let us know what you think, what who else you'd like us to talk to, and we'll listen and make the podcast better. So your feedback is much appreciated and helps other people discover the podcast. So that's what we got today. This is episode 55 on producing Singing in the Rain virtually. Hello and welcome back to another happy hour. I'm Ryan Fring, creative director here at Backflip. And joining me as always is other creative director and co-host, John Shoemaker oh, over here. Say hey, John. Hello. I made Today, it. Today's going to be really, really fun. I'm glad. I'm glad you could make it. I'm glad you shaved your face. I, I've been mentioning this for a while. Like you have really cool facial hair, but I just love a clean shaven look i'm not very clean shaven right um, now but you look you look stellar to, right now <laughs> time to mark the move out of covid we you know everyone had the covid beard it's time you've gotten rid of all that protection you're ready for the world so that's great <laughs> speaking of beards i did want to uh bring on jeff who's going to be joining us today and uh jeff what do you got going on with your beard there <laughs> i have all the beard hair that nobody else wants so it's oh. all mine and it's it's growing quite lengthy <laughs> is that what keeps happening to all my clippings because i turn around and they're gone it's like that scene in superman 3 where the lady gets like magnetized and all the chunks of metal come to her that's a deep cut i am just <laughs> having all the hair clippings from all over the country being sucked to my face and it's growing out quite lengthy lengthy that's a word i that's, made that up that's super creepy but i love it and i love your beard Jeff, you're, you're joining us with us today because we're talking about uh, taking a musical virtual. We'll bring our guest on in just a minute. And you helped actually produce a lot of the assets for it. So we'll talk uh, about that stuff as well. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Now let's bring on the woman of the hour here. We've got Angela Heinlein joining us today for our happy hour. Thanks for joining us, Angela. Hey, guys. How are you? We're great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. You know, I was just thinking, you know, I didn't grow a beard um, <laughs> during COVID. A little a little gray. I did the whole gray thing, um, growing it out. And um, as per this uh, particular uh, time of year when I'm directing a musical, it's happening again. But it's kind of like my, my badge of honor going through a musical process. But yeah, uh, beards, gray hair. <laughs> Yeah, in all fairness, I do have some gray hairs in here, so maybe I was getting some stray Ooh, hairs yeah, from you. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I can't grow a beard, but the little hairs that I have are about half gray, which Ooh. is pretty exciting. So I think that Ooh. means I'm getting wiser. <laughs> yes, wise, wise. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I did want to 
shout out real quick to those dinner folk people who signed up and are supporting St. Ambrose. Um, typically with a musical, there's a dinner show and performance that's special that you can go to before the premiere. Um, and this year, since we're taking this virtual, uh, there's people tuning in now. There's people who are going to be tuning in later. So thank you for supporting St. Ambrose and doing that. Um, and hope you're enjoying like your little treats, like these awesome cookies that we also got some of. Those, those are amazing. Yeah. And they're oh, thick. Like, this is so legit. We're going to have to eat these. You, you have to eat them during the event. Otherwise, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them all. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's maybe start at the beginning. Um, Angela, can you tell us more about you and, and what you do? All right. Well, I am the musical director at St. Ambrose Academy. Uh, which is a, a small private school uh, on the west side of Madison. Uh, we have uh, students in grades 6 through 12 at St. Ambrose, and students in grades 6 through 12 all participate in our um, musical, which is super exciting. I've been a director at St. Ambrose Academy for seven years now, so this is my seventh musical season at this school, and I have to tell you, it's just just incredible. Uh, and so that's just a little bit about me. And I also uh, am our learning services specialist at this school and director of enrollment. So I wear a couple of hats, but I have to tell you, musicals, <laughs> that's my favorite thing. And so um, it's really awesome to be able to work with kids in, uh, and, you know, with music and, and telling stories and dancing and singing. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. And, and I know, St. Ambrose, uh, how many are at the school? 120? We have 114 students at this school. Um, yeah. yeah, and in the cast, we have about 35 students. When we add the uh, crew to that, we will be um, about 45 students that will be involved with the show. So, you know, every year we've got like half the school involved in the musical. So it's a huge community building event and um, it's just really incredible. Our kids, you know, they shoot for the stars, our professional uh, production team. We want to see the kids really learn about the musical theater process and really think about it um, in terms of how would professionals go about the process. And so, you know, we're really grooming them. We've got a great vocal director and James Carano, um, just an amazing choreographer and Alyssa Dvorak. And uh, so we just have a really incredible um, team and also an incredible technical team that are really willing to take our show, you know, and create the technical elements for it, no matter where we go. So, you know, we're really blessed with a great group of people that are really committed. And then we provide this awesome experience for kids. And we have kids that, you know, they didn't know a thing about tap dancing. And now mm -hmm. they're like tap dancing geniuses. And so um, it's really exciting to take them through that process. Yeah, and that's, you know, those are those are two things too that I think are, are fascinating. And one is, you know, you think, you mentioned like, oh, we have like half the school in the production. That does not mean the talent is not there. I, I went to a show first time several years ago and was blown away. And I'm from a big school, big uh, musical program, uh, internationally rec recognized. And when I came and I saw the first show um, at St. Ambrose, I was blown away at the quality uh, and the level of, of the production that you guys could put together. Yeah, you know, uh, 
it's really interesting. I was just talking about the students uh, about this idea the other day, and I said, you know, uh, we were actually talking about uh, doing it live stream, but I think this is going to feed into what you just mentioned. And uh, this idea that to a certain level, because we're small, uh, we're always fully exposed, right? And mm. so we are as strong as our weakest link or, um, you know, the, you can kind of think about that within our production. And so because of that, our goal as directors, but also the kids, they get really inspired, right? I'm fully exposed. I'm seen. There's no way for me to hide behind anyone. So that means I have to rise, right? I have to rise. I have to work hard. Uh, I want to, as, as well as John Marslin or Don Lockwood, I want to look like him. And that is, I think, uh, a part of our program that's really made it great is that everybody's just completely on board about getting to that highest level. And, um, you know, our students like honesty, you know, they appreciate constructive criticism because they know that's going to um, allow them to grow. Now, from a, um, a directing standpoint, it's challenging, right? Because um, we're taking in, you know, pretty much anybody that wants to participate and turning them into a big star. So, you know, that requires a commitment to education, uh, the educational aspect of theater and training them in the arts. Uh, so we're really proud of our program, Ryan. And, and what show, what was the first one that you saw that we did? Do you remember? Well, I'm trying to think of what it was because it was before, I think the last one that I saw in person was, um, was it The Wiz? Or Mary Poppins? Or? Hello, Dolly. Or did you see Hello, Dolly? Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, we we were going to come back last year, obviously, but then, you know, the, the shakedown happened. Um, but we were we were actually working with you guys to produce some film content. And I don't think we've mentioned it. Uh, the musical Singing in the Rain. You mentioned tap dancing, and I, I just watched it's it again last night. To have tap dancing, mm. it's insane. Like that's, it is I'm, insane. I'm so excited to see how you know how you guys do it because they're singing and like intense dancing at the same time, uh, you know, in, I, in a style of those old movies that we don't do anymore. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing. Oh gosh, I love that you mentioned that um, because. Back in March of 2020, we were crushed when we found out that we had to pack our musical away. Um, we were two weeks from, you know, um, hitting the big stage with it. So that was a huge disappointment. But what happened was that all of the students in the show that wanted to learn how to tap dance last year that didn't, they auditioned to be tap dancers. And so it's just been really incredible that the... the um, the athleticism involved in tap dancing is quite high. Athleticism, the coordination, all of that. And it is it is a dance form that really draws the boys. I mean, they love tap dancing. Oh, really? you know, it's oh, fun, wow. you know. Um, so last year we had about um, eight tappers and we've doubled that um, for this year's round. So literally in our big numbers, um, our Broadway melody, the finale, uh, we've got half the stage of students that have been tap dancing since now, since November. They've been taking tap lessons 
And I'm working specifically on their tap for this show because you can't learn tap in, you know, six weeks. That's not possible, right? Oh, yeah, right. Um, oh, and to, to bring the caliber up with this particular show. So honestly, I, I'm just so proud. And, and our Don Lockwood and our, our Cosmo um, Brown, those two guys um, playing those roles, our high school um, gentlemen, you know, they were great. Uh, in March of 2020, but where they are now is just out of this world. Moses supposes, if anybody knows that number, oh, that piece. So good. <laughs> um, when we came back and we, you know, we were going to um, take the, you know, work on the show for a second season because we lost it last. I said to the kids, hey, what do you guys want to do with this? I mean, what do you want? Right? Because we thought we'd be doing another show. Mm -hmm. And they said, let's make it harder. Let's make it more challenging. Um, oh my gosh, that's like your dream cast right there, right? Let's make it harder. Um, and so it's been really awesome because our technique is improved. And I just think our audiences are going to be blown away because to me, this is real theater, right? When we're performing like Gene Kelly, when we're, when we're performing like Judy Garland, right? I mean, those are the greats that we're trying to emulate. And I'm telling you, these kids, they're doing it. So it's exciting. So I'm curious, I'm curious to know um, how much of the cast was able to stay with it. You know, like what happened? Are we getting some of the seniors back or what, you know, what happened there? Oh, yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, just like any program that was where we were, you know, we did have some seniors that were cast in the show. Some of those seniors, you know, they had to move on. And, uh, and we had to audition and have some, uh, new actors fill those roles. And it's, you know what? It's all worked out beautifully. We certainly miss our seniors that, um, passed on, but some of them are still living on in the films that we made with your company, which is pretty oh, that's cool. A great, that's a great segue their, right there. <laughs> yeah, we, get, we get to hear their voices. And I think the biggest hit that we took, which a lot of people don't realize was that, um, I had two stage managers that were seniors with us with the show last year, they'd been on uh, five shows with me and to groom a quality stage management team in musical theater is, it takes years of development. And so that was our biggest hit, you know, that was gonna be their last show. They thought, you know, that this, this oh, yeah. that was gonna be theirs. So we had to say goodbye to them without um, what I would consider a proper um, exit but mm -hmm. they laid the foundation to train so many other students on how to run backstage like professionals. So, um, yeah, but we're excited for you to, to meet some of the, the new cast that you didn't know would be new um, and, and how they've embraced their, their roles. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be so much fun to see. Um, and like you said, uh, you know, the stage managers and the behind the scenes, I think that's what can really take a production from good to great. So I, I definitely understand that. And uh, this might be a good time, you know, to remind people to put questions down below. We are live. We can answer them uh, if you are here with us now. But uh, yeah, let's switch over. So this is about Singing in the Rain, you know, is about the, the change from uh, silent film to the talkies, right? And a couple stars who are great in the uh in, in the silent films and one of the stars uh, has a terrible voice and it Talkie makes it very terror. difficult for that for that yeah that transition and because of that there's a lot of film elements 
in in the production. So let's let's jump right into that and talk about that. Like what what are these film elements that you needed? Okay, yeah. So uh, when we looked at the the film or actually the musical. And our producer, uh, Diane Marsland, she said, oh, we have to do Sing in the Rain. And, and I read through the script and I called her back and I said, Diane, we have to have three films produced <laughs> for this show. And she said, oh, we could do that. Of course, we can make it happen. And I said, but, but this is about filmmaking history. This is what the whole show is about. So these films, they have to be excellent, right? Um, this can't be us just sort of in our backyard trying to make our way through this. You know, we have to have, you know, these high quality um, productions. So, um, you know, you know, thank goodness we were introduced to you and, and you took on our project. Uh, but the whole idea of thinking about as a as a stage director, how am I going to, you know, work with my students and help them understand this other genre? Of, of film acting when we are constantly prepped for stage performance. So uh, there were some really interesting um, uh, kind of ways of research, you know, that kind of going about the whole process and watching silent films, showing silent films to the actors, uh, and also trying to find what are those crossovers between stage and also silent film, right, that I could capitalize in um, and preparing my students to work with your team to produce three films. Because what we had to do as a, as a group collaborating and working together is we had to produce one silent film. Then we had to create um, a talky flop with lots of technical errors that would have been a part of the time period that would highlight talky terror when you first were introduced to a silent film actor's real voice, that was not what you expected. And then to put together this incredible, you know, musical um, film that was at kind of like the, the cream of the crop of um, what the film industry was trying to produce um, mm -hmm. during that transition from silent to talking. Uh, so there was a quite a bit of, um, research that went into it, even understanding some of the terminology, you know, talkie tear, what is a vitaphone? Um, within mm. one of the scenes, we actually have um, a, a scene in the show where the producer, um, R.F. Simpson, shows everyone at a party their first talking film. And even thinking about, you know, how to help actors who've only known talking films, they've mm -hmm. never known anything that's been silent. How would you react to that? How would you respond, you know? And- um, Right, and I, I think their response was, he's standing behind the behind the screen. There's somebody behind there. Like they just couldn't imagine that what they were seeing also had audio. Like that was, that was very striking to me when I saw that. Oh yeah, it, it can't be happening. This is, you know, it's like a smoke and mirrors. It's a dog and pony show right now. This isn't real. This isn't really mm -hmm. happening. And we have, there's a lot of fun in uh, the musical uh, because we have all these studio scenes. And uh, Lena, Lena Lamont is uh, kind of the butt of all jokes. And she's also the villainess in, in the story. Uh, but she, you know, she doesn't even know how to speak into a mic and she can't do it. <laughs> Um, and she can't do it. Uh, so she has a lot of problems. Uh, so it's been very fun working with, uh, 
Catherine Gernetsky, who plays that role in our show. It, it's just hysterical. Um, you know, all of her personal problems, um, along with her love relationship problems as we work through the story. Yeah, that's, and there, there's some fascinating things in there too. You had mentioned right off the bat, um, to working with the, the kids, the students, to understand the difference in stage acting, film acting, which is awesome because that's what, you know, Don, Don Lockwood is like experiencing. He's like, oh, I think I might be a really bad actor because I'm just on, you know, I'm pantomiming in the silent films, but yeah. I don't know how to act. So it seems like a, you know, like a parallel experience. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it's, and, and I think um, one of the things about film acting, once you start speaking, right, and, and with the students, we talked a lot about, I used the word before, being completely exposed, right? You're completely exposed um, once they can hear your voice uh, because you're, you're real, and this idea of transitioning from big, large, you know, which we can make that transfer from stage acting to silent film where, you know, the, the gestures are larger, the facial expressions are bigger because we're trying to tell a story and we want you to see it from a mile away, right? Uh, where when the camera gets up close and personal, how does that change? And how does it need to change? Uh, so we've had a lot of fun exploring that, especially with Don Lockwood, the character of Don Lockwood, because he has a hard time because he's such a performer. He calls himself a ham. He doesn't know how to be real. He doesn't know how uh, to really connect in a really personal and meaningful way. And then he falls in love with Kathy and she shows him how to do that. So, uh, you know, I feel that working with you all, especially, you know, working with Jeff Bell, you know, what we were able to do and almost kind of to see that, how that transformation happened, e even in those three films, you know, you're able to see the change um, because of, of Jeff's expertise on, on how to support us in making that illusion come to life, um, not only on stage, but in the films that the audience will be watching on the big screens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's a great transition. Let's get Jeff in here to talk a little bit. So I remember, um, I'm trying to think of who actually sent the first message. But as soon as I got it, I was just like, oh my gosh, if Jeff can do this, he's going to go crazy because um, <clears throat> Jeff, so Jeff is our editor, uh, but he's also a writer. Uh, he's also an actor. And he's also a huge fan of film, a huge cinephile. And I knew that he would take the material and be able to just go nuts with it. So, so Jeff, what was it like when I when I first brought you know the request to you? Like, hey, is this something you'd be interested in? Just you know, taking and directing and writing and doing I'm, all that. I'm pretty positive your message to me was, oh, you're gonna love this, <laughs> like in a good way. Like this is like right up your alley. Yeah. And when I realized what it was that we'd be producing, I immediately was just like, oh, like my head was already running. I already had ideas. I'm like, yes, I can do this. I can do this. If it's going to be a silent film, if it's going to be a silent film, like, okay, what's well, got to look like this. And we have to get these kind of camera shots. And like, mm -hmm. I was without a script, my head was just running. Like I was, I was there. I was already ready to make the project. <laughs> like I knew what I wanted to do. And yeah. we were, you know, obviously the, the collaboration and, uh, you know, Angela being so nice to be like, yep, just, 
I trust you. Like I, I, I know I rambled it off. I, we had like a little, we had a meeting, uh, pre-meeting, I think, about it. Oh, and, and, and we totally connected. There oh was yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It was like, oh well, we got, we got to, we have to do the title cards. They're gonna have to, you know, I'll find the font. I'll just, I'll figure out the border for the, when they speak, and you know, like, oh, it's gonna have to have like a lot of grain and clicks and pops because like this is an old silent film that nobody cared about, so they didn't like restore it years later. So this is gonna be like an old film reel, something that. Uh, that uh, that somebody found, and that's what you're. That's what the audience is watching right now, and like that stuff is just all that went through my head. And yeah, I think that like five minutes into that into that meeting, we were we were on the same page. <laughs> yeah. And old friends, already old friends. It was so fun. Yeah, and so it was. I'm looking through my emails too. It was like the end of 2019 when we started talking and planning things, and I believe it was the beginning. That we shot. It was very cold outside. I remember having to yeah. load in at the Capitol. Yeah, it and had before, snowed the day before. Yeah, and before <laughs> we even met, our students were, they had, I don't know, I think I had like six rehearsals or seven rehearsals with them just so that they would be ready for whatever you asked of them, right? right. <laughs> and what was well, see, what was nice is like I, I, in high school, I acted in plays and like I have acted a little bit in some short films. So like I have both sides of of the camera you know i i have their perspective all the students being like we've never been on film before and i have i have so i have that and i also have the filmmaking so i knew how to like hopefully talk to them in a way that was like well no no like don't worry about it you don't have to do the entire thing i'm just gonna grab this chunk of that act if you if you can do that much like we'll, we'll get everything we'll work around you and i think what what was nice uh kind of going back to what you were saying earlier um about how like Back in the day, like the sound, the actors oftentimes in the real silent films were oftentimes theater actors. They were stage performers and they had a level of uncomfortable uncomfortability getting into film because they didn't they were used to doing the whole scene, doing the entire bit, not like stopping and going and filming a little bit, filming that. So it was a you could see that nervousness in a lot of the actors back then. Um as you know, in, on on screen. So, if there was any remote nervousness in in you know the theater the theater kids acting in front of the camera, it just aided to the to the overall product that we were putting out because that's exactly how it would have been. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good opportunity to lob uh, Carolyn's question at you. She's asking, you know, what the difference was, uh, you know, working with actors that are so much younger than the typical actors and talent that we that we work with. Like we, you know, you bring up Angela, you bring up the idea of professional production. Um, the high schoolers are, you know, getting an opportunity to get way, or high school and middle school are getting an opportunity to get way beyond the typical, you know, one year or one season musical. But still the difference between like the older level, you know, we're working with, professionals who like do this and get paid for it so yeah jeff what was uh i mean you kind of started answering you you made it work in your uh you know in, Without in your advantage yeah. yeah definitely it was it was i mean i mean i i've directed you know when i started making short films i was in high school so or actually i was technically in middle school but the <laughs> anything of anything of remote quality quality in extreme quotes you know i was in high school and i used to use all my friends so i'm used to in the back of my mind i got my 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 feet wet directing students and people who were not actors 
most of the crew or most of the cast of my shorts were the crew behind the scenes of the stage shows, you know, cause like, cause none of the actors wanted to do it, but all my friends were the the techies were the background people or the, were the crew members. So I got it like doing this. It was a lot of those like long forgotten, like directing thoughts and, and, and ways that kind of just came back naturally because I'm just like, Oh wait, no, I know how to talk. I know how to, I know how to direct you. I know how to talk to you. And everybody got it. Everybody did exactly what, what we needed. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew in my head what this was going to look like going into the shoot and the students delivered it perfectly. Like every, everything that everyone did was fantastic. And you know, I, would, I would not change a single thing about it. I was going to say something too, that I observed and I was, I think I was a camera op or a PA. It was amazing. Jeff was directing, Luke was our cinematographer, and I was just there to help out. But something I observed that was awesome, and I I observed this in in professionals that I hire again, is great actors are great to be around. And the students were great to be around, and they were great actors because of it. You know, they would admit when they didn't understand something. They would admit when... You know, they were having trouble and, and we could just talk about it. Or, you know, they could talk about it. And, and that was amazing to see. They were willing and open and kind. And that's probably the number one thing we need because then they can learn. They can be teachable. And I saw I saw them, you know, working with Jeff, able to do things that they just didn't understand at first. But then they just nailed it one or two takes later. It was amazing. And they would always ask questions too. Like they're in between camera setups or just, you know, we have a little bit of downtime. They would, even between takes, honestly, they would ask Mm -hmm. questions like, so why do you do that? Or what is that? Or, you know, what's that for? And they were genuinely interested in it. And obviously we obviously had a schedule to keep, but at the same time, I was happy to answer a question, especially if it's something that, well, if you're legitimately coming to me and asking, well, why do you do that? And not in a negative way, but like a actual yeah, I want to know what, what's what's all that about. I'd ha- I was happy to answer all the questions, and then that just made it easier because they started understanding. Well, why are we doing another take, or why are we moving the camera here? You know, it's because well, we need to we need to make sure we can cut back and forth, or you know, this kind of film doesn't need to do that. Um, because obviously, the, the the shoot day was was a single day. I think it was what ten hours? No, not even ten hours. Maybe eight hours for the entire shoot. Because I think yeah. we had to be five five. Yeah, we had to be out in the clothes. Yeah, yeah, and those and those students, they needed to know, you know, boom, 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 boom. We had a schedule, and they did great. And yeah. and and um, you were so organized and having a great schedule for us, Jeff, and like scouting out the locations and knowing exactly where we were going to shoot each shot <laughs> and um, having the right look because you know y- you're talking about uh, this has to be like this castle feel and. Um, it was it was so fun. Yeah, and I'm glad we we location scouted. Uh, Luke and I went down there and spent like two or three hours a couple of days prior to it, just because we already had the scripts and we we knew kind of what we wanted to do, but we needed to find the locations. Like where where is this going to happen? Like I know what I needed, and I know the capital fairly well, so I can like in my head pre planning. I'm like, okay, I think we could go here and here and here. But then we get down there and it's like, oh, we wanted to film outside. We wanted to film by this, you know, like by, by one of the wings stairs or maybe underneath and in the tunnel way for one of the shots. But then we're like, oh, yeah, it's January. Um, <laughs> and everything is muddy and wet. And there wasn't a lot of snow then, but we already saw on the weather like, oh, it could snow in the next couple of days. 
So like we had then created backup plans and like backup locations because we didn't, we, again, we knew how short of a time we had to film it. We had, we basically filmed three short films in, in six, eight hours, which is crazy, especially for the amount of coverage we got or what we actually had filmed. I mean, there's an entire sword fight or, you know, yes. in one point. holy cow, that's, and it's in multiple locations. Like that's, that should have taken the entire day there. <laughs> and I think, our, I think that when I was thinking back on our prep on that, you know, we knew we only had a certain amount of time. And, and even before we, you know, we were out on location, that whole scene was choreographed in another location with right. a, with a fight specialist, you know, so the kids got such a great experience of, you know, what would it be like as a film actor to prepare for your day of shooting? Cause then that would have been mm -hmm. exactly what, you know, like that's what most actors do nowadays. If they're actually taking play or even the stunt people, they, they rehearse elsewhere, probably in some blank gym or a, or a studio, like an open studio space. They go through the, the fight and fight the fight. And then they get on set and they're like, Oh, okay. Things have to be tweaked a little bit because now there's a chair there or now there's a wall there that wasn't there before. And now you have to figure out how to get it from point A to point B with it being two different rooms instead of your rehearsing. That was in just one big open space. You know, sometimes, well, the other thing, but the other, the other thing you'll get is that, you know, what the way that you rehearse, you know, there's maybe not cameras there. So then when you're doing it live, it's like, okay, now there's a camera over here. And I know you did this move, but your shoulder is too much in the shot. And I need you to like, I need to see your arm, you know, in, but I need you out of the way, you know, <laughs> things like that. Because <laughs> it's like, because. Well, at the end of the day, on the stage or for the camera, you're trying to serve the audience, you know, and give them the the experience. Um, so sometimes, yeah, you're having to do interesting things. I mean, speaking yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, we're always talking about that's our fourth guest. You know, how does our fourth guest feel? You know, how are they feeling about this 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 scenario here? But go ahead, Jeff. I was just, I just that just reminded me about the sword fight scene. Because I know it was rehearsed, and I know you had sent a uh, like a, re a rehearsal footage of the thing. I'm out of focus, um, uh, but uh, you had sent like a rehearsal, so like I had that to go off of. But obviously, like well, we didn't know until the day like where exactly was the sword fight going to happen because mm -hmm. we got lucky, and it had snowed the day before, which like it, it was like a foot of snow, and that meant even though the Capitol was open, not many people went out. So the Capitol was basically empty for almost the entire day, which meant we could film in the rotunda and there wasn't going to be people, you know, there are there, you know, there wasn't going to be like people walking around the background, which <laughs> I had already pre-planned. I'm like, if people showed up in the background, we were going to make that work because films back in the day would not have would not have entirely blocked off sets like that really that happened all the time in silent films. But I remember the sword fighting thing, like we decided, oh, well, let's do it across one of the bridges between the two um, corner pieces of the wing. Cause that'd be just big epic shot. But if I recall correctly, like the way it was choreographed, like it was facing the other direction or there was like a lit, like somebody had to come in from a different side. And I remember working with you and then working with the, the students and being like, okay, well, if we put the camera over here, then you can play the fight out the same way. And it will, it'll work. It'll, you know, with movie magic, it's going to look right. No one's going to know that it's had to lead backwards from how you had it or which way you went. But again, I remember everybody was just like, it was, it was those little like on the fly changes, but everybody was like, Oh yeah. Okay. No, 
they take one take and maybe like, oh crap, I forgot I have to go this way. And then after that, it was fine. Like there was never a problem. Well, Everybody that's that's with that. an interesting. That's an interesting difference between you know theater and film is that the set that you're on or the space that you're in in a film uh, only has to exist in your mind because you know the wall that's behind me right now. Well, what happens when I look that way? Well, I can put the camera somewhere else and I can just look and I can cut to that and I have created a new space that doesn't actually exist. And that can be an interesting brain experiment for people who are not used to film. Um, we've had to do that a lot in creating spaces that don't actually exist just by like, okay, I just need to know what it's supposed to look like when I look that way. And then we'll go find a wall that satisfies that direction. And, yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a stabby sword fight moment, uh, I think with a kiss and it was very confusing because of the space that we're in didn't make sense. So we had to do that, put the camera in weird places to be like, okay, and now it's reversed, but you are still coming from over here. Cause that's going to be screen direction. So that was a blast. And again, they were, you know, great and open and they're like, okay, I, I don't quite understand, but I trust you and we're going to do what you ask. Like, it was great. Oh yeah. The, the rehearsal process before we went there, just to prepare for that. I literally, we just kept rehearsing in different places, <laughs> sitting at different <laughs> angles. Okay. Now run that way with those same feelings, you know, uh, just because y you're right, John, what you said, it, it takes a bit for, um, a mind to kind of wrap around itself as an actor to that kind of dynamic change um, when you're seen from all angles. And so, you know, we had fun even walking around um, some of the little romantic scenes. Okay. If I look at you, if I, if I'm the film camera and I'm coming from this side of you, you're still fully exposed as an actor. I can still see this part of you. Right. And so what does that mean um, in your performance? How does that change things for you as an actor? When you recognize the fact that, you know, maybe the backside of me is an important part of that shot. What does that mean? I have to use my whole mind. There's a difference of, uh, in filmmaking, you're often not shooting in order. So in, yeah. in the musical, you get to, I mean, and you arguably that, that's one of the values of theater is that you've been on the journey, the emotional journey with the actors, the actors have been on the emotional journey the whole time. So when they hit that point in the show, they're feeling it, they're in it. Film actors, frequently it's like, okay, we've got this set and it's like, all right, this is a scene where you've reached your you know, maximum point of breakdown. It's the biggest emotional moment of the movie. Go. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and I think that what you're bringing up there is a really interesting point because uh, actually, the process of working with you on these films in this sort of scattered way helped Don Lockwood and Lena Lamont in their character development because they're constantly in these phony worlds. Nothing mm -hmm. is, you know, there's no finishing of a sentence. There's no real development of a relationship. And so, you know, it actually, for our production, the musical production, it was like an essential part of the character development. I think I told you that, Jeff. I'm like, dang, you just helped me out a ton, you know, just how can you give kids this experience unless they actually go through it, right? Yep. Um, yep. To draw from when uh, Don Lockwood is just frustrated because he just, you know, 
Um, every single film he does is like the last one he did. The plot's the same. Everything's the same, right? He's frustrated. He's sick of it. Yep. Uh, so it was so fun to be able to work with you guys and have that real experience for them because they needed that for their stage performance. And I was just looking through all the footage because I couldn't remember. I knew the first thing we shot was actually the last of the three pieces. And as the day went along, we left the silent film one for the end of the day because I had the the thought at some point, go me, I guess, that I'm like, well, if it's, it's later in the day and uh, I'll give myself props, it's cool. If it's later in the day and like, if there are people there, the silent film one, we don't need audio. So it doesn't matter anymore. Like we don't, if you hear background noise, fine, whatever, as long as you don't see anybody. But we did film stuff fairly in order except for the silent film one that one we actually did bounce around a bunch in what order were we filming what is it that we're filming now or this time like, well, we actually filmed that shot and now we're going to film the start of the sword fight but we're not going to film the second half we have to go film this part for next and like i remember bouncing around a bunch like that and kind of hopefully if that if that aided in the in the frustration um, <laughs> um, then that's fine. It's perfect. You know, like that, it just added to those characters. Well, I mean, I think you, again, it's, you know, we, we stage actors, you know, right. We're used to the story being unpacked and unfolded and, and we just had to go, oh, okay. All right. Let's go down that hall. And, um, so again, it like so much fun adventure in that whole process. So, uh, I just sent a message, Jeff, refocus your camera. Um, but I think now would be a real great time to take a look at some of those assets. Exactly. It's like a TikTok, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to do, um, uh, well, yeah, it'd be great to take a look at some of those assets too. You know, we don't want to give everything away, but I I'd love to see some of the behind the scenes, like how we went from the original shot to something that looked like it's from the 1920s. Definitely. And now this is the, this is the area that, you know, I grew up, man, my camera still's out of focus, but oh, well, yeah. this is the area that when I, when I grew up as a kid, I watched so many movies, so many silent films. Uh, I, I loved Charlie Chaplin back in the day and Buster Keaton and Three Stooges and Abbott Costello and Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Um, I loved all of those guys. So because of that, like I have seen more than my fair share of silent films and I have an idea in my head how it looks. And there's little ticks. There's little things that every silent film has in it. Ones that were not like professionally 4K remastered, restored uh, movies. Um, but there's little things that they did. And it was because it was the limitation of the technology at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the dirt and the grain on it, the fact that the, the, the camera, the footage, when you watch it, kind of, kind of bounces back and forth a little bit and kind of bounces around. Mm -hmm. um, here, actually, let me show you this first. Um, let me show you in Chrome because so you can get an idea of what I'm discussing here. So this is an old, um, if, if everybody can see this, this is an old like Charlie Chaplin short from 1917. So this thing is 104 years old. But if you look at the footage, look, you look how blurry it is. You see like the, the camera bounces around. The, it's, it's moving back and forth. There's, there's weird marks when the camera cuts, and that's because all the film was cut by hand, you know, with like a razor blade and then reattached with tape or sometimes glue or adhesive, and that could deteriorate the film. It could break. You get these little jump cuts that appear in films every once in a while, and that's because, again, maybe there was an edit. Maybe a chunk of the film 
you know, this particular reel of the film maybe got damaged in, in one showing and they had to cut off the damaged part and they retaped it back on. So there's an actual like jump in the footage. Um, everything was different frame rates because I, all the cameras were hand cranked back in the day. So you had the camera guy who was, was cranking a wheel to get the film to go through the, the camera. And if he cranked it, you know, ever so, ever so too fast or ever too slow, too slow, then the footage would come back looking incorrect. Oftentimes they cranked it too slow. So it would come back looking faster. And all of those little details are things that I personally wanted to try to emulate when it came to this, when it came to kind of creating like a silent film, a black and white silent film. It's like, okay, if you're going to do it, let's do, let's do it correct. Let's do it the way that they would have done. Let's try to emulate those styles. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we hop over into the, the footage. This is the timeline here um, for just one of them. Now we won't show everything, but uh this screen that you're looking at right now is the final version. This is what it looks like when the um, when when we when when we show it on screen. But to get it to look all like really old and crummy, it's a ton of effects because this is what we actually filmed <laughs> on the day. And all the footage, if you watch the action, you notice she's kind of moving a little faster than normal you know that's not how fast a person would move it's 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 ever so slightly quicker and now it's because i went through every single one of these shots so all of these down here are different clips in the video in the entire piece that we showed i went through every shot and gave it a different speed <laughs> Just to emulate that style that detail. yeah <laughs> Because you know what? This is why we, yeah, this is why we put Jeff in charge of this process. Because <laughs> I, 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 if you didn't do it, you would sub. A lot of people would subconsciously go, "There's something, like, mm -hmm. oh, it looks good, but it's not a hundred right." Yeah. And what is it? Well, it's because the speed is wrong. It's because they're not. They are. They're not like that. Kiss is like that. Movement is all way faster than it should have been. Um. And like little, like little problems, like the fact that when we pan up here, we actually lose focus on the actor. You can see he's kind of blurry. And then we get focus back on him. While we were filming, little details like that, I'm like, I don't care. That's perfect because that's the stuff they would have left in the video. You would see that in an original silent film movie. So all of that little thing, like, I just like, no, that's great. It's perfect. If we mess up or if we reuse films, because obviously they're delivering these lines that are on these cards, but we don't always have enough footage. Like we have to, we, we don't have enough footage to like let the card play out and then cut back to show the reaction. So sometimes you'll see a duplicate frame every once in a while. Like he's actually finishing his sentence here that we see at the beginning of this part and that works and that fits. And that's exactly what they would have done back in the day. And I think one of the things that was really interesting about this process too, Jeff, is that you had to also account for the humor that the writers in the musical wrote into these, these films that were supposed to be happening. Right. There's a lot of humor written <laughs> into this whole process. Right. Well, and especially for like the, the, the second video because there's <laughs> audience dialogue and laughter that's happening. And it's like, okay, so we have to cut 
you have to cut the video that's being shown, but you then also have to take into account that there needs to be time for the the show's jokes, the show's humor and the comments need to be part of the video and and finding that balance between it, you know, between <clears throat> yeah, between the real thing, what it would have been, and then the show. You know, that theatric level was was definitely uh was definitely interesting. And it's an, an interesting balance, but it was actually pretty pretty straightforward and pretty simple once I got my head around like, okay, no, we need an extra beat here for the laughter to to play off. But there is a ton. So just to kind of get this look, there is a ton of work done across the entire video to give it the blurriness, to give it the the grain, to give it all these like little dots are, are, are pieces of like, like the film stock is, is falling apart. Um, and there's like scratches and there's lines because maybe the projector, one of the projectors it ran through was scraping the film the entire time. And, you know, they're blurry and obviously they're black and white, but a little detail, like it's also the wrong aspect ratio because cameras, what they could film, ha- like how wide they could film has changed over the last hundred years. All movies back then were filmed with this kind of square image, you know, and then, you know, they oh. got, they got, they got to be more widescreen. And, you know, nowadays they're super wide. And now there's obviously our 16 by nine, what our normal TVs are, but this, like, this we even- uh, too. This even comes into the show uh, in that humor because the the mechanics of doing old film production were the things that that play into the the performance where it's like messing up at the at the theater when they're playing back and then they get <laughs> that like out of sync and things like that. Um, so like having the, the accuracy or the understanding of like what what is it that were the problems with film production, you know, there's just a lot a lot going on there. Um, and then to recreate them, you know, the way that Jeff did. Art film. <laughs> Great. <That's what> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and that's so one thing too. I notice if you guys, if anybody who's watching has watched or is going to watch uh, the the film "Singing in the Rain" from the fifties, it's great because you'll notice these things that Jeff is talking about. Even in something from the fifties, there's a there's a dance. Uh, the last um, what's that song? Uh, Broadway. Broadway Mel- melody. There's that's Broadway actually melody. a real musical. From I don't know, like the nineteen uh, early, like nineteen ten, nineteen fifteen, nineteen twenties, but it's an, actually from a real musical. Did you find it? Have you well, seen that, it? That makes a lot more sense because I was like, this is like a really specific sequence of like, yeah. And, and I I actually watched that, and hmm. um, so it's so interesting. Like so many uh winks that this particular uh, musical makes to uh, big moments in history, right? Yeah, and and you'll notice too, there's a dance uh, towards the end where he, where Don Lockwood is dancing with one of the um, main dancers and there's a jump cut, what Jeff is talking about, like they had a piece of film and they had another piece of film and they cut and the dancer's here and then the dancer's here, all of a sudden, like it just changes um, or it could be like a different cut, whether it's a temporal or a, or a different take. And you notice stuff like that. 
And that's, you know, Jeff manually had to add that stuff in here, which is, which is fun. You like, you take a really high quality thing and then you, okay, you crop it down, you screw up the frame rates, take out color, contrast it in a certain way, add that green look over, add the dots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this looks like a funny soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the other piece too, that uh, Jeff added as well is that uh, mood music. I mean, music and the mood music was huge. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you know, in the end we decided that, you know, we had thought we were going to have a, somebody else take care of that mood music. And then, you know, you being the expert on this genre, we just had you do it. And it was great <laughs> because you knew, right. Yeah. The music in it, in these are originally just my piece that I was going to, if it was, if we were going to keep it, it would be fantastic. But at the same time, I'm like, well, this will at least help me cut the video to, to be the right mood. And, and also kind of worked as like a, as like an inspiration track or like a temp track to whatever you guys were going to do for it. Um, that's, that was my intention, <laughs> you know, and it ended up just being like, no, this is just, this is, yeah, this works. So let's just keep this. What was that? I was just going to say, can you throw up one of your titles? Because oh, yeah. the same lines, like, I don't remember. <laughs> the, uh, the monumental pictures, like that font. Uh, yep. Did you recreate that or you found it? Like, it's all extremely accurate. <laughs> so I, again, because if I'm going to do anything 100%, I, I, if I'm going to do it right, I'm going to do it right. Um, the, like, the, the border, I researched probably about two or three dozen different um, title cards from different silent films throughout the eras and tried to find and create one that was period accurate, but maybe wasn't an exact copy of an existing one. Um, so I put together this, this graphic, uh, at the very tip top, if you realize, because it's monumental pictures is who releases these. And a lot of the times the silent films back in the day would include the name of the studio on the card somewhere. Um, especially like a lot of the Thomas Edison short films, they all had, or films, they all had like Edison pictures written on the card. Um, so I'm like, okay, I, I want to include that. So I, I went out there and I found a period accurate font. So the lettering that the monumental pictures is written in, like what would be correct for the era? Cause these would have all been done by hand. Um, they're not something that, you know, like nowadays we could print it or we could just do what I did basically just created in the computer. But back then these would have been cards that somebody would have had a like hand draw the borders and then hand write everything. And they would have filmed that and then spliced that in. So I designed the border. I found the monumental pictures font. And then I knew I wanted a very particular type of font for the, the what's being said, because again, there is a particular kind of font. It's the, there's a look to it. Turns out this lettering that you see on camera right now or on screen right now in the mid 2000s Sundance Film Festivals wanted to digitally restore like an, a super early. I think they might have it might have been like a 1915. So it might have been like 2015, but they wanted to restore a silent film for its 100th anniversary um, by like because they found the original negatives and they digitally restored it. And they made it like high quality but there's no copies of the title cards. These guys left. There's no phone. There's no foot. The footage was like super worn out and bad. So they hired a designer to go to all of those old cards 
and recreate the text that somebody hand drew, but do it in a font that some, that somebody could just now type out a digital version. And I found the font <laughs> after like two days of searching on the internet. I found somebody who had it. Yeah, you did <laughs> a period accurate 1915 or 1914 font design just so it was correct. And, and the, the, another font I had, and I, I had temporarily put the titles in, but once I did it, it, once I put it in this font, I went, yep, that's it. Like that's, that's exactly what it needs to look like. And then, yeah, once you just get like all the grime and the, you know, the, the blurriness on it and all the kind of bouncing around, it just, it feels completely correct um, for the era. And it, and it just, the entire piece kind of came together. But I was very proud of these, and uh, I, I this 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 has made me want to make my own nineteen fifteen black and white silent film, like just for fun. Like I kind of want to do one. <laughs> I didn't like Aaron Sorkin, like that that jab 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 ha 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 little joke throwback. You know, yep. like oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> Are there anything else in the other ones that you wanted to show or share that was the unique to them? The big thing about the other ones, and it's it kind of just comes down to like the details in them. So this grime and this like super dirty, grungy look, obviously because this was a black and white silent film, um, this was going to be the one that looked the worst. But as we went along, because uh, we jump in time a little bit, I wanted to make sure that we were still emulating the correct look of a film from this era. So a little thing like this title card, um, very, very period accurate down to the font, during, down to the fact that they're listing the, the main two actors in the title card. The fact that it says 100%. I made this one. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just assumed it was from the movie. <laughs> nope. This one, this one, I made this one. It's, it's, it's from many different sources and many different pieces. But like little things like these cards would oftentimes be against a stone surface. So that's why the outer edge is like a rough, rocky stone surface. Um, like the, the, there, but like the fact that it says a hundred percent all talking was very period accurate. <laughs> they actually did that on films when oh, they started yeah. becoming all talkies. Um, but little things just like this one is very soft. There's like almost kind of like a, like an old school soap opera, you know, fuzziness to it. And that was very correct for movies that were out of the silent films, but sometime in, you know, somewhere in the twenties and the thirties. Um, and it, again, it was the, I think it's the silver nitrate that they, that they used for the film stock itself that partially caused that. Sometimes it was the, the lens filters. They actually did kind of do, I think they used Vaseline on the lens back in the day. Absolutely. Like they literally just Vaseline the lens. <laughs> um, but well, and it's more typically for like your leading lady, like right. you have a cut with your leading lady that looks glowy and wonderful. And then you cut over to your guy, it's gone. Yeah, you know, exactly. Always trying to make the leading ladies look, you know, more glory, uh, add more glory into the shot. That's why you'll notice like on this shot of him, it, there's a little bit of a glow there, but it's not like this shot where you can clearly see that it's kind of hazy. It's really kind of glowy on edges. So, and that was, that was a, a purposeful thing. And then also the aspect ratio, the, the black bars on the side, are a little different than they are on the silent film. The silent film is a, the the image is a little more square, but by the later years they started getting a little more widescreen. So they were actually able to open up 
how much the camera could film. Um, so a little detail like that is I, I purposely swapped them out to be a better resolution. And then by the time we get to this one, there's like next to no of that, like scratches and dirt marks and stuff, because I would assume the studios probably kept this one. Mm-hmm. Like it, they kept, they were careful with this one. They actually protected this movie because this was the, the hit. So they wanted to preserve it for future generations, you know, little things like that. Now, do you know, uh, because I know we have we have 24 frames, which is kind of a look that we think of as the movie. Mm-hmm. When you see something that's in 30 or 60, like a soap opera or The Hobbit in 48 frames a second, it yeah. looks fake because it looks too real. I know that 24 is based on a 48 hertz audio signal going along the side. So we'll just get nerdy for just a second. <laughs> you know, because I think in the movie, they... It, I believe they played the sound separately because they recorded it onto vinyl. Yep. And then I believe they played that, like, you know, hit start, hit start, and they go in sync. And sometimes they could get out of sync, which happened, uh, I believe, in in the show with their first or their preview of the Dueling Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Audio got out of sync, which they decide then, okay, we got to do something different. People are going to hate this. I don't know if you remember when that change was made from vinyl to audio being on the film. If I recall correctly, it was sometime in, because uh, like by the time like Gone with the Wind and all those movies and Wizard of Oz came out, the 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 audio is on the side of the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, if they actually like pan, if they actually zoomed out of the film, you could see audio playing, like the waveforms or the sound or the visual representation of the audio on the side of the frame. I think it's sometime... Oh, you're you're really pulling at my 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 knowledge. I think it's sometime in like the early to mid twenties. I think yeah, is when it started happening. I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, so, so Angela, uh, how does this how does this all work into the, the the play and the show then? Oh, you know what we were just talking about with uh, the the sound and uh, getting the sound so that the sound was right so that the actors sounded correct, um, and also getting this sound so everything's lined up with the technology that's in the room. So it's interesting, you're talking about this, you know, it's being recorded onto this final record. Well, there's a whole scene in the show, uh, the musical itself, where the director, Dexter, is trying to get Lena to understand what it means to talk into a mic and trying to help her to understand the technology by very specifically pointing out that there's a sound guy in the booth that's recording it on a big record. And, um, you know, you can watch for this in the show, but, you know, uh, we actually have the sound guy waving at her and then she waves back because we're trying to make the connection there. Uh, um, so, you know, that's pretty hysterical. We have, you know, this whole idea of what happened for actors with sound when their voices were heard, right, for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a, a huge part of this story. And it's one of the things that actually, it's the major thing that's moving the story, the story forward in the musical Singing in the Rain. And this idea is that nobody ever heard them speak. So, you know, they were just taking in the music and the silent film and the pantomime and the audience was imagining Mm -hmm. how incredible these people sounded. And uh, there was this real phenomenon that happened 
when talkies came out and audiences would be in the, the theaters watching and they would break into laughter during these really serious scenes because that voice on that gorgeous, you know, actress was not what they imagined, you know, or there's, you know, this um, handsome leading man. And we always thought he had this like deep, rich voice and it's, it's kind of high and squeaky, you know? And so, you know, how do we, how do we deal with that? And, um, and how that sort of turned, you know, actors lives upside down. And, you know, there is actual history um, where there were many silent film actresses and actors in particular who lost their jobs during the transition because the audiences just couldn't buy who they really were. Right. And so um, it made way for new performers, you know, to kind of come in and, and we see that we actually have that happening in our story where Lena Lamont, you know, the big star, she's replaced, you know, by the end of the, the, um, the show by Kathy Selden. And, uh, and it's, it, it's really an interesting dynamic how in this humorous story, they were bringing actual historical truths into this, you know, hour and 45 minute show that we're going to get to see, um, which I really enjoy. I mean, it makes it so much fun when um, you're making fun of, of all of those, those things that were crazy. You know, they thought that their careers were over after the, the talking film. You know, and so then they had to reinvent themselves. And that's what, you know, a lot of the, the studios had to do. They had to reinvent themselves. They had to think about, okay, how are we going to still make it? And that's where all of the musical movies um, became popular, right? Uh, so those were um, some of the, those really big popular uh, um, talking films were all about really singing and dancing and, and, um, putting a musical on film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, that's fascinating. Kind of yeah. funny the, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, it's me. Hey, you go. <laughs> so I was thinking about modern, modern musicals and sort of the inverse of that with a similar problem. Um, listening to Russell Crowe try to sing Javert's part, you know, like, it's, it's, you get that same thing where you're like, oh, I was expecting something different, but there was a skill set there that, that wasn't there. And it's important for, um, who you're choosing for these certain roles, you know, just, oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And you know, it's when you're talking about, about genres and being faithful to it, I, I think one of the things I loved about meeting Jeff is I was like, oh, another, another nerd, you know, somebody else who gets super excited about history. Yes. And, you know, even there's a, there's a number in the show. It's called All I Do. It's, you know, all I do is dream of you the whole night through. Well, there was like a squeaky way, kind of like a nasally way in which, you know, um, some of the showgirls at this time sang, well, you know, you're going to take, um, you know, young actors right? Who are listening to pop music all the time. And we've got to teach them how to now sing in a way that their, their diction can be understood while singing through their nose. You know, so um, it, all of this historic, this history of what performances were like, uh, all of that comes into creating a really powerful story. One of the things that I talk to the students a lot about is that if the audience notices something is off, we're not doing it right. 
that means that we're not we're not being faithful to the period in which we've set the story, right? It all needs to be seamless once we get there. Uh, we've been talking a lot about comedy too, because this is slapstick, almost vaudeville style comedy that our audiences are going to experience. So our actor who plays Cosmo, Isaac Carano, he works his tail off because he is the slapstick comedian. And, and we sat down as a, as a, as a team with the, the three leads and, you know, I showed them clips of old movies and I said, in all of the movies, the musical movies during this time period, there's the funny guy. Isaac, you've got, we've got to study the funny guy <laughs> because the funny guy is funny in a particular way, right? There's also within our story, there's kind of like, uh, the typical, um, you know, the love interest, the villainous, right? There's the good guy, the bad guy. And, and there's these theatrical ex extremes that they need to capture in their acting when they play these parts. So, um, oh, make them laugh. I mean, I'm sure, you know, that, that everybody can remember, or if, you know, if you've seen the movie once, you can, you can remember that number in the film with Cosmo and the make them laugh scene. And so, you know, what, how you take that to the stage is a challenge because our audiences, most of our audiences only know what they saw in the film and, you know, film and stage acting are different. There are some things that you can create on film because of how you're maybe, and you guys know better than I do, how you're either, you know, uh, different takes and putting them together that mm -hmm. we can't possibly create mm -hmm. as live performers in a live setting mm -hmm. but how do we get real close to that right mm -hmm. how do we wink at it and so that's been a, a fun challenge for us on the stage to be able to do those kinds of things i mean i have we have a whole scene that is in a studio scene where they're doing the pantomime acting and we just keep making it bigger and bigger and more dramatic and i mean the kids love it the bad the, the closer and closer we get to what it probably would have looked like um, you know, we, it, it's just so much fun to embrace, uh, the history and approach character, character development from that perspective, along you, with all of like oh, the, the Hollywood gossip and all of that. I mean, we've got that too, you know, you, you so. may not be surprised when we were watching it last night, uh, make them laugh came up and all the physicality and all of that. We're like, who's going to do that? And we both were like, Isaac. You know, oh my gosh. Like, that's no. like we, we just zoned in on that. And then I was also noticing kind of like what you're talking about too. I was like, how do they have this stamina? Because they're they are long shots where they keep doing stuff, but then there is a cut in the film. So they get cuts, but yeah, you guys and, don't get cuts. No, and, and I have to tell you, you need to watch our Don Lockwood, John Marslin. You know, uh, he works his tail off. Um and 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 this is something people don't really recognize. I think when it comes to musical theater, it's an athletic mm -hmm. experience. So part of the rehearsal process is that we have to build stamina. You know, I mean, they've got to be full on character, living in a real character mindset while tapping faster than their body can actually handle. <laughs> you know, when, when they're done with Moses Supposes, they are literally, I mean, you can hear them. Their hearts are pumping. They're, you know, it's it's a it's a massive effort. But if you look at Don Lockwood, if you just watch him 
And what he's doing from a vocal perspective and a dance perspective from scene one in, you know, act one to the end of act two, if you really take that in, it's so impressive. He is mm-hmm. a, he's an incredible athlete. You know, he's, he's incredibly gifted, but that's what it takes to tap dance in particular. Um, those kids that are tap dancing, they are athletes. I mean, they are, they are really putting their full body. Um, and they're also very percussive. Um, to be able to tap dance, you just have to have this sort of almost, uh, I, I call it a gift from God. I mean, it really is. They have this gifted sense of, of rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. Where they can line their body up. Um, you know, not just, you know, we give them choreography, but they have to do more than that. They have to line it up with the score. And mm-hmm. that's hard. That's challenging to be able right. to do that. So, oh gosh, you're just going to love you know, watching these leads and, and I'm seeing, you know, how far they've come. Yeah. John, uh, did you want to jump in there? I know I clobbered you a little earlier. I no, I was going to make the same point that you made about the, the lack of ability to cut takes and to yeah. just keep going the live, the live experience of like, you just got to stay with it and then adapt if something goes wrong or whatever. Um, yeah. in the sort of superhuman, uh, the scene is impressive in the film. Like Ryan said, the superhuman feat that they are, that they are achieving through these dance numbers. And it's going to be even more, you know, yeah. uh, live on stage. When you talk about the make them laugh scene, cause I just want to of you know, seeing the, the, um, the team, team of directors is to make sure our students are safe. We have a, we have a number of uh, slapstick moments within the show, you know, massive falls, you know, like honestly the audience will go, <gasps> but what the students love for me is I know how it's all been choreographed. I know what's coming. We've been, you know, we've been doing this for weeks. And when they get me to the point where I go, <gasps> I mean, we know that they've done it, um, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's leaps over couches. There's couches that you saw. Good morning. What do they do? We had, you have to have some of those iconic moments, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, the audience is just sitting on their edge of their seats going, Oh, are they going to do the couch thing? Are they going to do the couch thing? Oh, let them do the couch thing. You know, I don't know. You'll have to come to the show or watch the live stream to find out. We do the couch thing. Um, what but, a tease. Yeah, but there's yeah, but you know, there's there are safety elements that we also train our actors on because you know these, we're human beings, right? There's no cut. Don Lockwood has to make it all the way through the show, right? Mm-hmm, uh, Lena mm-hmm. Lamont's got to make it through the show. We have graceful, beautiful lifts. Um, between some dance scenes with um, uh, just phenomenal. They Last night we were watching one and James Carano, our vocal director, and I, we just looked at each other we're like, you know, just to think back on that as a high school student and think, wow, we were able to be that graceful on stage, you know, and, <laughs> and have like, you know, these, these Grace Kelly moments for Kathy where she's just like swept off her feet and we're, but that doesn't just happen. You know, there's mm-hmm. weeks, months, actually months and I would say years of preparation to be able to do it that well. Um, so we're really proud of our kids and their commitment to doing the hard things that they're asked to do. Well, and that's one of the surprising benefits I, I would say probably is that 
they were ready to go, you know, and then we had to shut down. And then now you can start again. And like you said, you know, more people got to tap. Now a year has gone by. People have gotten older. People have gotten stronger, um, you know, and they're yeah. redoing it. And, and, you know, you're practicing for long amounts as and well. Our, and our leads are a whole year older. So they are, they have a year of maturity and it's really interesting. I was thinking about this the other day because Lena literally has the rug pulled out from under her in this entire mm -hmm. show. Like her, her world really by the end of the, the show is completely turned upside down. Mm -hmm. She has all these like shocks, right? Oh, he's in love with somebody else. I thought he loved me. The tabloid said he loved me. He was going to marry me. What's going on? You know, all of these things, but because of what the kids we all went through with the shock of being shut down, right? There's some things that these students have been able to draw from in their real life experience about being shocked that adds to comedy. They couldn't really get there before. And I, I believe it's because they, you know, they don't have the life experience, right? Mm -hmm. But now, you know, they know what it's like to long for something better, to just want to be set free you know i mean don lockwood that's what his character he just wants to be free he's he's sick of it all right mm -hmm. well how many of us have been wanted to be free or you know just wanted to get out of our house and go to a party you know i mean those kinds of experiences now these kids can really draw from and i always i was just talking to, to our producer about it the other day i said you know we get to the end you know, the, the last show. And I always think, oh, man, if we just had like a week or two, a couple more weeks, you know, imagine, you know, just about living in your character, you know, learning how to be, know what that character had for breakfast, know what they wore, you know, for pajamas that night. You know, that's really living a character. And, that, and, and as a theater um, actor, director, that's really understanding your character. And and um, I'm going to tell you, when you watch Arlena Lamont, uh, you know, you're going to see some talent because playing that part, right? And I'm going to tell you, when you hear her sing her number, okay, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you, I, I'm telling you, if you're not standing on your feet, hooping and hollering, and that's a tease for those of you that are watching right now, uh, you know, she's just incredible. You know, she's playing a, an iconic role um, in and of herself, too, um, and has a, a big change that that um, she experiences. And she's just really fun to watch as well. That's awesome. I definitely cannot wait. And that's maybe another good segue. You're good with this. We should hire you uh, to talking about, you know, it being a live stream to it being uh, a hybrid uh, in person oh, yeah. for a small amount of people and virtual for a large amount of people. Yeah, I, you know, I'm really excited because, uh, you know, this was not what we had planned, obviously. We never planned to take our theater and make it a live stream experience, which is, I, I keep telling the kids, you're going to be fully exposed. The, uh, the cameras are coming at you. So we are going to have this, uh, experience of, of, of both experiences at once, being filmed as performers and, um, uh, for those that feel comfortable and feel like they're in a good position to be in person to watch the show. Uh, we're excited to be able to provide that and also the live stream for those who feel like it would be best for them to watch it at home. And, you know, I, I'm just telling you, you're going to love it. You know, whether you're coming in person or you're going to see um, us live stream, it's going to be a great experience. 
we have a, a nice little th theater experience that we're going to be um, where we're going to be able to perform at um, St. Aloysius uh, School. And so we're going to actually be transforming. We've got that challenge on our technical team as well to completely transform um, a very small stage, which is actually feels very period appropriate. I keep telling the kids, I'm like, we're getting all these awesome nuances to our um, experience um, and just transforming a, a gym with professional sound equipment, lighting equipment, uh, you all uh, to really allow people to experience theater again, which is so, so incredible and so important. Yeah, it's, I, lo I love all those super meta elements that are coming into just uh, to amplify the experience of the musical. And I think, you know, I'm super stoked about it. I love being in person for theater and musicals, but I definitely have seen a lot of musicals and plays and things over the last year streaming. And I very much enjoyed that. So, you know, that's, that's our goal here is to give people the, you know, experience that they want out of it. And like you said, we're going to be able to get them close. You know, we're going to get in, <laughs> Get in the actors' faces, at least yeah. zoom in uh, so that you at home when you're watching virtually, you can see, you know, a conversation with them like this, kind of like you would in film. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I love it, great. too. I keep telling the kids, I'm like, grandma's going to be watching. And when that camera pans over to you, what is she going to want to see, you know? And so, I mean, we have a lot of fun with that. Uh, and it's it adds a level of excitement for our actors who love this, right? And, um, you know, certainly, you know, I believe that God gives everybody a, a gift and um, you're going to see some some kids that have certainly been blessed with unique gifts uh, vocally and um, uh, with, you know, acting and dancing and um, a lot of talent. Um, but there's a lot of hard work behind that and um, a lot of professionals uh, like you guys, you know, that are sharing sharing that talent with the youth in our community and allowing them to kind of soar to new heights and um, and do big things, do great things. Yeah, I'm, I'm super hopeful that, you know, people who may not have been able to come or wouldn't come in the past are going to come virtually, you know. Oh, yeah. I think that's what we've seen with a lot of events, and I think that'll be great because, again, uh, award-winning St. Ambrose musical group, uh, it's, it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Oh, is there anything else you wanted to share as we, we wrap up here? Oh, you know what? All that I have to do is I just have to say thank you uh, to Backflip. You know, um, the kids say thank you, too. We were just watching the films uh, the other day and, and putting them together with our rehearsal process. And, you know, honestly, what you guys did by saying yes to our little company uh, just added an element of excellence and excitement and, um, you know, historical faithfulness, you know, to the production that we just couldn't have achieved without your help. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Jeff. Happy to lend my nerdiness. <laughs> I like your nerdiness. Just, just, just something <laughs> beneficial that, that other people will enjoy. So, <laughs> yeah. That's so next awesome. year when we do Singing in the Rain 2, I am on board with doing the 40s through the 70s. Is this oh. Singing in the Rain T-O-O? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> and you're the writer of this T-O-O. <laughs> Maybe I wrote the oh show. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need to fit that in. Um, right. So that's Thank what you. we got today. Yeah. yeah. I opened Sweet. my cookie did before, and I get the scent wafting around here. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. I don't know if they can get these online or at the show, but 
I think these are special to those who came uh, to the uh, special dinner premiere event. I ate right my hat. Now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And if you don't, if you don't finish it in, in my wrap up here, I get them all. So. <laughs> oh, you I can have drooled on one, so I guess, we, if you want. <laughs> I don't know. Did they good. see what's on here? It's it's actually like our it's our logo for the show, and it's a it's um it's our like our Don Lockwood singing in the rain with a nice little umbrella. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, these are great. Where uh, I was gonna say, where are they from? Shout out to that cookie company. They're really cool. Um, oh, uh, they're so artistic. Missing pastry. Oh, yeah, okay. um, we are. I don't know what's going on with programming next week. I should probably check this out before I do the uh, wrap up <laughs> at the end. We're likely here next week for another episode. So please do uh, like our Facebook, uh, subscribe, hit the bell on YouTube. I don't know how to, how to do this stuff. I'm very old. Um, we will have another episode next week. You can check out a past episode. Carolyn's been on here a few times talking about various things taking an event virtual. Now we talked about singing in the rain and doing uh, the films and taking that virtual. And then the following week, uh, we'll have a rerun, but you should definitely tune in. Angela, thank you so much for taking the time and doing this. Um, yeah, I feel like we just scratched the surface. I say this a lot, but I honestly mean it. Like we, we covered, I, I have about 10 notes. We covered about three topics. So maybe after we do the production, we can have you back and we can talk about how it went and maybe even share some of the clips or, you know, whatever the license lets us do. Oh yeah. I actually, um, we probably can do that as a follow, mm. as a follow up because we've, we've taken care of that. So I think we're good to go in that front. And, and there is a lot to talk about. You know what? This whole process is great. And it's so fun to be talking with people that share the same excitement and passion <laughs> about this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, nerds unite. Carolyn, I don't know who too. those people are. I mean, I, were, I don't think any of them were on this stream today. Yeah, if you listen to anybody, you can tell that nobody's nerdy. Nah. Um, <laughs> we, we did forget to share our libations. And, you know, there's never any pressure to drink, but you're always encouraged. So... So what do you got? What are you drinking? I've got some seltzer water. I got to go back to school and teach. <laughs> That's legit. <laughs> <laughs> I have I'm to go back to work. Brand. Yeah. You're going to be extra creative, Jeff. Yes, and I, I am. I had a little mix because I wanted it to go long. I have hard seltzer and soft seltzer. There's regular <laughs> seltzer poured into a glass. So I can <laughs> What about you, John? I brought this urge tracker. I didn't even I didn't even open it yet because <laughs> I was waiting for the drink discussion because you're supposed to turn it slightly like that and then you're supposed to you're supposed to be a hard pour into the glass. Ah, you're you're really good. I totally ruined it for you. And now yeah, it's just gonna go control. all over the desk. <laughs> I'm not gonna go that yeah. So that's the urge tracker. Yeah, go really well. Carolyn, you got to tell me what to do faster. Make, make <laughs> me do what I'm supposed to do earlier. But uh, that's our show today. Again, thanks, Angela. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything uh, you want to? Any? Nothing offhand. I'm excited to see that this is going to get used uh, or is going to is going to be highly shown. Any silent movies you want to plug? Oh well, yes. Yeah, so there's a really great 1917 film. It's called The Bank Robbery. Uh, Jacqueline, definitely. <laughs> <no. laughs> Coming out next year. No, um, 
now, 20, nothing, 2017. Yeah, 20, 20. Oh, crap. It's still previous. I know. It's 100 <laughs> years. Hi, right, John. Anything? You got anything for us? Eat your cookies and watch the musical. There you have it. All right. Now let's make sure that I've got uh, cut our end screen up here. Oh, yeah. Again, someone else should prep this for me. Smooth sailing these shows. <laughs> We're live, everyone. Thanks so much. Bye, everybody. Bye.